0: your Wednesday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand, happy to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. And a good show coming up. Hopefully, as always, I think I say that, but uh, I really mean it. I try to put to put together the best show possible every single day, and I think I've put together another good one for you here today. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune covers the Timberwolves. Frequent guest on this show, maybe not so much this time of year, but he will join me here in just a little bit to talk about the Wolves. Their offseason, just a few things kind of lingering out there for that team. Some international play for a lot of their players coming up. Anthony Edwards' extension, we haven't talked about that with Chris. And uh, Jaden McDaniel's extension still on the horizon. Then, of course, the NBA in-season tournament. Um, the schedule for that was announced on on Tuesday. So Chris and I will get into that, kind of what group the Wolves are in, what the idea behind this whole in-season tournament is anyway so hope you enjoy that that coming up here in just a few minutes got a couple other thoughts on the entire minnesota sports scene towards the end and some uh some young players some prospect thoughts coming up at the end as well first though what did i miss let's get into the twins right now they win 5-3 on Tuesday against the Tigers, a team that's given them trouble this year for some reason, um, they win that game um, more or less because of Matt Walner grand slam in their in their big inning, their big five run inning. They win five to three. They have an outburst in the sixth, and Matt Walner obviously with the big hit when he knocks in four of those five runs. Rocco Baldelli, um, who he, he he's not like stingy with praise, but sometimes his praise tends to be more general. Uh, His praise for Matt Wallner after the game caught my ear. Here was Twins manager Rocco Baldelli on Matt Wallner, the Twins rookie out of Forest Lake. That
1: at-bat was just, it was an incredible at-bat. And Wallner, um, I don't know what was going on in his head throughout the at-bat, but it looked
0: like he was on different pitches throughout the at-bat. And then he battles, and then, you know, on top of it all, he's not facing just any reliever. I mean, uh, you know, vest and everything he, you know, comes at you with is really tough. And, uh, with two strikes, it's not a typical two strike swing, but he, he got, I think he got all of it or close to all of <laughs> it. Um, you never know with him, but it was, uh, it was a great moment and, uh, sweet to see the crowd, you know, acknowledge him and, uh, and him get a chance to experience that too. It was pretty great. Now, whether this is just a good run for Walner or if he's here to stay, I think that's still up for debate. Like I said, a Forest Lake product. Uh, Lavelli Neal III did a nice piece on him for today's paper, kind of catching up with his biggest fan club, which includes his high school coach and a lot of other people from the area. Um, But, you know, whether or not this is... Permanent or not remains to be seen, but I think what we do know is this uh, if walner can become what Trevor Larnick hasn't quite been able to become yet that kind of power hitting corner outfielder that would obviously benefit the Twins. And it seems like they have a lot of these kind of candidates, uh, these left handed bat candidates. But if walner is the one to emerge, A, it's a great story because he's one of us, and B, the Twins could certainly use it. They can use any kind of offensive production they can get. Now, flip side of it is this. A lot of us were clamoring for them to call up um, Walner earlier in the season when he was tearing it up at Class AAA St. Paul. The Twins finally did, and they have reaped the benefits. So I think fans and the media were right about that one. What we were wrong about, two players that I want to spotlight right now that maybe we all were ready to give up on in the Twins for whatever reason, showed plenty of faith in and have been rewarded. Number one, Max Kepler. Um, he was in the middle of that rally um, on, on Tuesday. Obviously not as big of a hit as Walner, but he was in the middle of that rally, scored a run in that, in that five-run sixth inning. He has been excellent since the middle of June. This is kind of the line of demarcation for both the players I want to bring up. But Max Kepler, people were ready to give up on him, and for good reason. Like He's been here for a very long time. He's got a long career track record he's not had a great season since 2019 when you thought maybe he was having his breakout year this season he was hitting 189 with with low with low power numbers in mid-june since then since um <clears throat> since june 18th when he was already all the way down to 189 625 ops at that time since then 12 home runs 28 RBIs, <clears throat> a 285 batting average, an 898 OPS, including a 557 slugging percentage in his last 47 games. He has been a huge part of what has been going right for the Twins. They are 27 and 20 in the last 47 games. That Max Kepler has played in Kepler's production, a big part of of what's gone right for the Twins since mid-June and really the last two months. The other guy I want to bring up in that same context, Emilio Pagan. Now, I think with Kepler, there was at least more of a track record here. There wasn't much of a track record this year, but you could at least point to a baseline of production that you thought he should be giving them that he wasn't getting to. So even if he wasn't going to become... The player he was in 2019, which really he has been over the last two months. But even if you couldn't see that level coming, you could at least say, okay, this is not as good as Max Kepler, as as good as Max Kepler can be. He should be doing more for them. Amelia Pagan, I didn't see anything in him really at that point, but the Twins did. And whether out of necessity whether out of stubbornness they stuck with Emilio Pagan even after some really rough outings where he blew games since mid-June from June 15th to August 15th 25 appearances for the Twins 24 and a third innings pitched 10 hits eight walks four runs allowed a 1.48 ERA 124 batting average against batting average on balls in play just 143 so probably pitching to a tiny bit of luck. His his fielder independent pitching, which is an interesting stat, was actually better before this point. It was uh, it was like three point three nine. Now it then it was three point four three during this span. So it's actually better before this. So it indicates that he's not really doing a whole lot else different, which is kind of consistent with what Emilio Pagán was saying all year that he's been feeling he's thrown the ball well all year. He just had a couple of ill timed blow up outings. Now here's a guy who. Really, if you're going to put a fine point on 2022, was one of the major reasons that season fell apart. I don't think we can say it any other way. It was kind of stunning that the Twins brought him back. It was kind of stunning that they stuck with him with, with some early struggles. His ERA was up into the fours for a while earlier this year. But since then, they have been somehow rewarded for this this faith in Emilio Pagan. And it kind of comes and goes. I almost hesitate to talk about it because it seems like anytime you start to talk about Emilio Pagan pitching well, it turns the other way. But these two guys, Pagan and uh, and Max Kepler, I think we got to give the twins some credit for sticking with them. And again, whether it was something they saw, whether it was just they had no other options. I don't know what it was exactly. I don't know what the what the rationale was, how close they might have been to giving up on these guys. They stuck with them and they've been rewarded. And I'd be... You'd be hard pressed to think about where the twins would be right now without both of those guys, especially Pagan, with everything that's gone wrong in the bullpen with injuries, with Brock Stewart not being healthy, with Caleb Thielbar being out for so long, with Jorge Lopez not being the pitcher they wanted him to be. Like they really needed someone to work some of those medium to high leverage situations, and Pagan has worked himself back into those situations, had another good good outing on Tuesday to help bridge the gap to to Joan Duran. So I don't know. I don't know what it was that they saw, whether it was desperation, whether there was no other options, but it has worked out when all of us thought, this is time to get rid of both these guys. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine & Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money.
1: Shop MGM.
0: Let's bring back Chris Hine. Talk a little Timberwolves. It's mid-August, so why wouldn't we talk Timberwolves, right, Chris?
1: That's, that's right, <laughs> top of mind for everybody right now. The Minnesota Timberwolves. They're,
0: they're always near the top of my mind. Even even if I was lamenting to you before we started recording, this, it's been a pretty quiet off season. And I'm not trying to like create drama for you or like conjure up something or you know, wish something into existence. But it's been a pretty paint by numbers off season. But there are some things we need to catch up on. And you know, we did have a. A tiny bit of of news or intrigue on Tuesday league-wide when they released the schedule for this in-season tournament that really is you know it's kind of a fascinating concept the Wolves will start playing that I believe November 10th they've got four games they've got like a little pod that they're in they play at Sacramento on the 10th at Golden State on the on the 14th and then home games against Sacramento and Oklahoma city on November 24th and November 28th. And all of these, and most of these games, uh, most of these kind of uh, kind of uh, group play games are on the same night, Uh, at least the last, uh, the last of them or a bunch of them are on the same night at least. Um, So you kind of know where you stand. Um, What what do you, what do you think of this concept in general?
1: I'm, I'm, a little wary of it. I don't know how it exactly is going to look or it's going to work or how much people are going to really care about it. You know, and I kind of said the same thing about the play tournament and I ultimately kind of came around on that. Um, and I like the play in tournament now. Um, so I just, I guess I just kind of got to see how it plays out the first year. Is it, is it dramatic? Do people care? Do the players care? Do the fans care? Like, you know, just how much, how much stock are people going to put into this thing? And I, I I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical of it right now, but you know, again, we'll see how it plays out.
0: What's what to you is the point. Is it, is it just to kind of get teams interested in something else besides the regular season? Like, Hey, this is a, this is a grind. Let's, let's create something in November and December to kind of keep things interesting. Or what, what do you think The what's the motivation here?
1: I mean, it, it could be television ratings. It could be money. I mean, l- listen, money's the ultimate money. you know driving yeah. factor money. behind everything. Right. So you know you you you, you create a couple marquee games. You, you set it in Las Vegas. You know you have the semifinals, the finals. You give them to your national TV partners for a couple juiced up regular season games that are worth a little more than regular regular season games, I guess you could say. So ultimately i think that's that's always at the root of of anything professional sports leagues end up doing um so i I, you know this is something that the nba has wanted to do for a long time they haven't quite figured out the the method or the format that it was going to take um that they've always wanted to do something like these these you know the cups that you see in in the soccer world um so this is their version of that and just how it's going to play out here in a in America in a sport that's not soccer we'll we'll find out
0: in the middle of football season in the middle of right winter but i mean it, it's possible i i think it's it i like the fact that they're trying something i like the fact that everything except the championship game counts as a regular season game so you're not like taking guys out of season to try something new it's basically these are Kind of glorified. These are glorified regular season games. They just count for more if you are, you know, if you're really taking a, an interest in trying to win this thing. Um, would you say they're they're in West Group C? Um, I don't know if you've done a deep dive yet, Chris, on the on on all the groups. Would you say West Group C is the group of death?
1: <laughs> I I really haven't taken a, a deep look at it to be to be quite honest with you, but it's difficult. It's not easy. Um, Golden State. Uh, and Sacramento in there uh, and Oklahoma city who could be, you know, tough as well. So, you know, it's not, it's not an easy group, but listen, at the end of the day, it's regular season basketball in the NBA and it's November regular season basketball at that. So like, I'm, you know, it's not like you're dissecting a playoff series when you're looking at this teams could be up that night. They could be down that night, you know, are guys that are hurt going to be really pushing to play in something like this in November? Probably not. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's very random I feel like, and, and literally anything could, could happen in this in this kind of format this early in the season.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to trying to see if there's any advantages, disadvantages. I see the wolves that the first two wolves games are on the road. Why are they trying to stick it to the Wolves here? Um, nobody else has to start with two road games, Chris.
1: Well, I I, I sense a blog coming. For no, uh... no, I,
0: I, this is this is this is sarcasm. I'm I'm just I'm just kidding here. But I'm just I'm just saying that the first two are at Sac, at San Antonio and at Golden State. And the last two, I mm-hmm. guess, you get home against Sacramento, home against Oklahoma City. So I guess you do have some advantages in the end. So I'm just, I'm just kidding of all this, but I think, Correct. I think it'll be, I think it'll be, I think it'll be kind of fun. I wonder how long they'll ultimately stick with it though.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's going to depend on the ratings. You know, what are, what are those ratings look like for those marquee matchups? Once they get to the knockout round, um, the semifinals and the finals specifically. Um, and if the ratings are good and better than say your average, Thursday night in the regular season, then I bet you the NBA keeps it up. Um, and if they're making money off of this, uh, it'll stick around. If if there's no real significant added value to this and people aren't that interested, then it then it probably goes away. So just, you know, if you want to keep an eye on something to see if this is going to stick around, keep an eye on the TV ratings.
0: Full schedule comes out on Thursday. And, you know, schedule releases are kind of, you know, they are kind of what they are. We, we know... Essentially, you know, we know all the teams they're going to play. It's not like there's new teams or they're going to do something dramatically (laughs) different. But it it does like it it is always interesting, or it adds something when you see how the schedule lays out. You kind of see where the the easiest, the potential easy spots are. You see where the the hard parts are, things like that. What do you think about the West in general right now? And obviously, you know, Denver coming off the championship, but. You know, it feels like the feels like the conference is still fairly open, but also maybe getting even getting even better now because I don't think you can count on some of the teams that were at least slightly down last year or two years ago to be to to always be down.
1: Yeah, I I think the the competitive floor of the conference has gone up a little bit Um, when you consider that teams like San Antonio last year, um, Houston. You know, they're looking at least on paper to be better than they were a season ago. Those were the, the bottom teams, for the Western Conference. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of easy nights. Um, You know, we'll see what happens with the Portland situation and, and Damian Lillard. And, you know, maybe Portland is kind of the, the bottom feeder this season once that all shakes out. But, yeah, I, I think every night now is... You're going to have to bring it, which is probably a good thing for the Wolves that there are no easy nights given their (laughs) reputation against uh, teams near the bottom of the standings. So that actually might turn out to be a good thing for them uh, in the long run here. But I I do feel like the the difference, as we saw last year, the difference between being good to really good in the Western Conference and out of the playoffs is not that big of a margin. It really isn't. And I think I think that's where we're at right now with not just uh, the Western Conference, but the NBA in general. The the line and the kind of the demarcation between like tiers of teams, I feel like has never been smaller in the last 15 ish years in the NBA. So, you know, I, listen, the Wolves were how many games away from being the four seed last year, like right. three, three yeah. games, something like that. You know, that that's literally the line, like three games, uh, something like that, between out of the playoffs and and potentially hosting a first round series. You know, every season's different and we'll see how how this season plays out. But that's kind of the general feeling I have right now is that the West is very jumbled and anything can happen. Injuries obviously play a big part in, in any team's success. Um, but it is, I think, razor thin margins right now between between teams.
0: Well, I think the league is trying to do that too, even more now. With you see that some of the some of the provisions of the new collective bargaining agreement, things like that, like they're they're trying to create even more. I think of this parity, and I think the, the play in tournament probably helped that. More teams with a chance to at least get into a top ten, feeling like that's valuable, feeling like you know even if it's just one game of postseason experience that 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 has some value so I, I think that is kind of the direction of the league even even more now than than before
1: yeah and i think yeah as you as you mentioned with the collective bargaining agreement you know we're starting to see that take shape um you know there's kind of this idea and and we still have to see it in practice you know as as the years go on here but You know, now it's it's seeming like every team gets kind of their two stars or two max players, and the middle class of the NBA is going to be kind of getting squeezed out, those guys that are not max players but aren't, you know, minimum or near-minimum players either. Um, So we have to see kind of how this all shakes out in terms of the competitive balance. Um, Then you have teams like Phoenix, you know, who are basically saying, we don't really care about that. We're going to go for it anyway. Um, by bringing in Bradley Beal, you know, and go alongside Booker and Durant, so teams have to make a lot of decisions, uh, and the Wolves are going to be one of them, as we've discussed at length uh, next next off season when these uh, extensions for Edwards and the presumed extension for McDaniel's come on board. So teams have to make a lot of decisions, but it, it is in the name of parity, and you know. Which teams are going to want to face some of these consequences of the of the new second apron in order to go for it? Um, maybe they don't think they're that punitive, and which teams are gonna are gonna shy away from it because they do think they're punitive um, is going to be something to, to to watch and monitor over the next few years as well.
0: The wolves, um, like you said, Edwards signing the max extension. They will soon have three max guys, assuming this roster all stays together and that's pretty uncommon one team that did have three max guys last year was denver and they won the championship so it's not like you can't do it if the supporting pieces are there um i don't think we've talked for a while and i think in somewhere in the between the last time we talked and now edwards did sign that max extension um up to what was it 263 million is that the is that the the threshold i'd have
1: to look back at the numbers but i think that's about right yeah
0: that's that's a lot of money um, for five years of NBA play, but that is the that is the going rate these days. Um, what what do we think about Ant going into year four? He's got the money, he's ascending, but I think I think for them to get where they want to go, there's still more levels to where he's got to get to, right?
1: You know, when I when I talked with them in in May, kind of after the season ended. I think he's really trying to drill down into the the finer aspects of his game, nuances of his game. I think he spent the first three seasons just kind of learning NBA, just learning the NBA, learning defenses. Here's, here's all the different coverages you're going to see. Here's how you generally attack them. And now it's all just kind of incorporating everything into his mind, having that institutional knowledge and build up so that everything becomes a little more instinctual when you're out there on the floor. But I think number one, or at least near the top of his list of improvements is, you know, and Chris Finch's as well, along with Ant, is late game offense. And what does late game offense look like for the Timberwolves next year? It is, I I know that... they don't want it to just be Anthony Edwards dribbles around for 20 seconds and then fires a step back three up. It is it is they they do not want that to be the late game offense, which it was too many times last season. So that to me is like number one on my on my list of things I'm gonna look for early in the season with Ant specifically is how does the late game offense look? Who's running it? How is Carl involved in it as well? and just what does that dynamic look like and how is it different from, from the season ago? That, to me, is at the is near the top of things that they needed to work on and improve going into next year and, and specifically, too.
0: There's no discernible um, bridge to a future point guard at this point. They've got another year of Mike Conley Jr., and I think he he performed as well as he could have last year, I think, after coming over in The D'Angelo Russell trade but one thing you did when you decided that D'Lo wasn't that guy for the future is you you did create a sort of void at future point guard are we are we at a point now where they want to see Ant handle the ball a lot more this year to know if there can be a substantial amount of point ant in the future or, or is this just a problem that they'll solve when when they have to get to that point as in terms of addressing point
1: guard it's a good question I, i'm not sure i have a, a good answer for it right now you, know, you look at the rest of the roster and you kind of pencil in shake milton as your, your your backup for this year and possibly next year as well considering he has a team option um but who knows what's going to happen with mike conley after this season as well i mean Listen, it's not like, it's not like Mike Conley is potentially retired. I mean, he might retire after this year. You never know when, when somebody is in their mid thirties. Um, but, you know, maybe Mike Conley has some tread left on the tires and he wants to stick around in Minnesota beyond this year, even though his contract is up. Um, who knows how that's going to play out. Um, Ant, I, I, there's always a quote when it comes to Ant handling the ball. I think it was, I don't know if it was from his rookie year, but I think it might have been from his second season and something about, we asked him about ball handling or something like that. And he kind of joked around, but said that he's like, man, I don't really like handling the ball. I don't know. I know it's been like two years since he said that. And he he was like kind of half joking, kind of not as well. You know, we'll see if his attitude has changed (laughs) in the last two years. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, Um, you know, but I, I, that that quote always stuck out to me. Like he's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." He's like, "I'll I'll play point guard," but I don't really like playing point guard. I think was the gist of of that quote two years ago. So you know, we'll see how the rotations play out. Kyle Anderson is also a you know a, a ball handler as well. That'll figure in you know with the with the bench unit, kind of that second that second unit where you might think Ant hey, could be a candidate to be taking over ball handling duties. So. You know, all, all kind of how they mix, how they how they play out, what rotations look like with Anderson, with Shake Milton, who's going to be handling the ball. Um, but as of right now, I think you're right. There is no like if we're looking two, three years down the road, who is the point guard alongside Anthony Edwards in the starting lineup? I you know I don't know that we that we have that answer right now.
0: Couple more things for you, Chris. One. Um... Sure, are a lot of wolves players who, even though we're you know a month or two away from the start of the season, there are a lot of guys playing right now in you know in in uh, in the in the cup, um, the World Cup. What what do you uh, what do you what do you think of that? Do you, I know there was some talk last year. Gobert, his knee maybe wasn't the greatest when he came in after playing in the summer. Um, you got Towns playing for the Dominican team. You got a bunch of other guys playing right now. What what are the pluses and minuses of that?
1: If I am a Wolves fan right now, I am holding my breath through this world cup process that everybody makes it through healthy, because I think one of the things that was a big issue with them early in the season was the lack of a coherent training camp with Carl and Rudy both on the floor early to try and develop that chemistry. And it's one of the reasons why they stumbled out of the gate, which ultimately it had an effect late in the season when they're fighting for playoff positioning. So the big thing here is just get everybody healthy through this process so that once training camp starts in late September, everybody's able to be on the court, practicing, developing chemistry, learning the systems, doing all the things that they didn't do during training camp last season. That is the number one goal. Uh, of this World Cup process, I feel like is just everybody making it through this thing healthy. Um, for some of the younger guys like Ants, you know, uh, I, I think it could be a really good experience for him, just developmentally wise, uh, kind of taking the, the leadership of the group that he's on with some of his, you know, kind of younger peers in the league. Uh, I think that could be a good experience for him. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker playing for Canada as well. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty decent roster if you look at the Canadian roster. Um, so I think, I think that could be good experiences for them, but, you know, I think the one, the one you always kind of look at is Rudy is back with team France and if it affected him last year, is it going to affect him again this year coming into camp? Will he be available, um, you know, come late September and Carl too, will will Carl make it through this process unscathed, um so that again day one practice one september 30th whenever whenever it's going to be everybody is in uniform on the floor for that first scrimmage and able to play against each other
0: yeah i think it's a good question i mean it sounds like i think i've read that the wolves are more or less encouraging this that they like it because they think it gets guys in shape earlier but the flip side of it you're right is that guys could get banged up and guys could just get flat out even if they're not hurt they could get tired from this from from competitive basketball that's different from training you're on a slightly different schedule so yeah i I think that's a narrative to watch as as august and september goes on um one other narrative we're watching chris final thing for you no Jaden mcdaniel's extension yet this doesn't seem like there's a huge hurry on it but that is an off-season piece of business that is still uh still unfinished
1: yeah you see these things uh you know kind of these extensions that that do not involve max money the way ants did, you know, sometimes it just, it just takes time. That's how the business of the NBA operates. Sometimes it doesn't happen until training camp or close to training camp. Um, But I, I do think that everybody, from all indications I've seen, you know, confident something will eventually get done. Um, You know, it's just kind of the timing of it, finding the right, the right number that works for all involved. And, you know, the one thing to keep in mind is even if, you know, he enters the season without a deal, he is still a restricted free agent, The Timberwolves ultimately control where he goes, um, you know, and whether he stays in Minnesota or not. Um, So, you know, I I wouldn't worry really all that much, um, especially right now as in the middle of August that there hasn't been anything on that front. It's, you see a lot of extensions uh you know with, with rookie kind of these rookie extensions, a lot of them do get done right around training camp or or about that time.
0: I hope for your sake, between now and then there's very little drama. We were kind of joking um before we started recording. September has been A little bit of a dramatic month sometimes for this organization. So for your sake, maybe not for mine, but for your sake, Chris, I hope that it's another quiet five or six weeks and you can kind of keep uh, keep reporting on what you report, but not have to sweat anything too major before a pretty important season for this whole organization begins
1: exactly i did think when you texted me uh this morning to come on the show that there was like a ben simmons trade rumor that you wanted to discuss <laughs> I'm, past, like that. I'm so past that. I, was, I'm I, was, so... I was i was i was like i was like what could he possibly want to talk about in I... mid- august with me
0: come I like, on i already
1: I'm like is ben, is ben simmons on the move again i What's already going
0: did on i already did my johnny Manziel apology tour last week i'm not doing a ben <laughs> simmons apology tour this week i just like i gotta spread those out a little bit
1: well i look i look forward to that happening yeah,
0: I, I definitely never blogged that they should tr- make outlandish trades for Ben Simmons. That never happened, Chris. Never, never happened. <laughs> never, well, never. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on regardless, even if there was not well. a hot Ben Simmons rumor. And uh, we'll we'll catch up with you again down the road. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff with Chris Hine, as always. Um, like we kind of joked about at the beginning, mid-August is not really the hot the hot, uh, hot stove of the NBA, but I thought there was enough stuff there to to bring Chris on, so um, wanted to kind of catch up on some things. I wrote about the Wolves in tandem with a bunch of other teams the other day on Startribune.com. On Tuesday, it's in today's paper. Just kind of talking about what my my wish list for a lot of the teams in this market, and for the Wolves, my wish list is that they find an identity this year, that they find a, a path a path forward because I don't think they have a path forward right now or I don't think they have a defined way I think they're still searching to figure out if this Townsend and Gobert experiment is going to work and I think they need to find that out within the next within the first 40 or 50 games of the season before the trade deadline because it's a lot easier to trade Carl anthony Towns. It makes a lot more sense to trade Carl anthony Towns if that's a route you want to go before the trade deadline this year instead of in the offseason because of collective bargaining rules, because of desperation setting in, things like that. So my wish for the Wolves is that they find out what they've got with these two bigs, with this whole lineup, where they fit into the West, and if they can pivot before the trade deadline if they need to or stick with it if they decide this is a team that can contend That's what they need to figure out sooner rather than later. Let's finish with the cooler. Not to to be the bearer of so much good news for the Twins, but I was just looking at ESPN's 2023 midseason top 50 MLB prospect rankings. You will find three members of the Minnesota Twins on that list, including recent number five overall pick Walker Jenkins at number 17 overall. Brooks Lee, <clears throat> the fast-rising infielder, they got him listed as a third baseman here. He is number 28. He is all the way up at St. Paul now Triple-A even though he's only just 22 years old. And Emmanuel Rodriguez, a name you might not know as well, a high a really good hitting center fielder just 20 years old already at uh, at high A ball. Um, and so he's, he's got a big power, big power potential, good patience at the plate. So three prospects for the Twins in the top 33, and that's after guys like Royce Lewis and other players have already graduated to the big league. So, If you are wondering what the next wave is for the Twins, those three players, all hitters, should be arriving at various times. Jenkins is still really young, out of high school, just got drafted, so that won't be anytime soon. But Brooks Lee could be here very soon. Could even get a look this year, but I'm thinking maybe more next year for Brooks Lee. And Rodriguez is kind of on the fast track, even though he's only 20. So some help on the way to join the big league club. If you were worried about what they've got in the minors, they've at least got these prospects coming down the pipeline. Speaking of prospects down the pipeline, that'll do it for me today. But tomorrow, Brock Faber, former Gophers uh, hockey standout, current member of the Minnesota Wild, had a whirlwind um, April. I want to talk to him about that. We'll bring you all sorts of stuff with Brock Faber on Thursday's show. So hope you stick around and enjoy that. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Talk to you again tomorrow.